Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Microsoft TV. I am Lee. I am here. I am joined by Spencer. Spencer, say hey to the people. Hey, everybody. Spencer, we are on Mandalorian Episode 7. We are just about done with this season. This is an eight-episode season. We're on Episode 7. It's titled The Reckoning. Spoiler alert, Spencer. I love this episode. This is probably my favorite episode of the season. It is... No, it, it's not really you can't as easily assign it to a genre piece in the way that the last few episodes have been but just as a pure work of filmmaking this one is so good and with such great character work too i absolutely love this episode um i'll get into reasons why but i i thought it was a high point of the season uh most definitely before we get going uh we do have a sister podcast that i have been on recently uh and i would like to hear exactly what's going on with mangum reed spencer do you have any updates well, I have to ask you then, if we're doing advertising, how did you feel about your cameo in terms of discussing Stephen King on Mangum Reed slash Mangum Watches? I thought I, I thought I did a good job. Shout out to me. Um, but I will say that I I thought it was sort of a preposterous story. I, this, so if you're going to watch the episode uh, that we did on Mangum Reads, it's uh, an episode for The Mist, which is a Stephen King. He calls it a short story. I call it a book. It's pretty damn long. And uh, I thought it was a bit silly. I thought Stephen King was sitting in a grocery store one day and said, you know what would be interesting if, uh, you know, aliens uh, or something, you know, stuck people in this in this supermarket. That's really what I thought. I thought it was kind of preposterous. So my... Um, my cameo was, uh, I would say, pretty limited in, in my in my comments. Which which I adore because you're the one that recommended the damn thing. You're never afraid to recommend something that you you don't particularly like, but you know will stimulate discussion. Yeah, that was kind of the goal. That was not the goal on Mandalorian because I, I watched Mandalorian before you, and um, no, I I wanted to do Mandalorian just so we could we could do a Star Wars love fest together because the last few movies that came out. <laughs> you had you had serious problems with and i couldn't geek out with you quite as much as i wanted but in this episode i am very hopeful that we could do that geeking out but anyway um back to mangum reads anything you want to plug before we get going uh right now we're going through the um forward saga of short stories which is an amazon prime kind of exclusive of a collection of Prominent writers doing short stories discussing new advances in technology, put in their, own, in their own particular setting. And we've done two of them so far. We've got a few more left to go, but it's been quite a bit of fun. We hope you join us and listen to it. Join us in listening to them. Good. Uh, and it, I, you know what? I'm, I'm about to a point where I'm not going to plug Mangum Reads anymore, only because Mangum Reads gets so many more listens in this podcast. I'm well, starting to get self conscious about it. Let, let's factor in the six month vacation that we took with respect to this podcast. May have had a little bit of an effect on the numbers, but the potential is still there. I love that you call it a vacation. <laughs> That's funny. Not quite a vacation for well, me, but anyway. Uh, just, go ahead. Just, just in terms of nostalgia stories to remind our listenership about it, do you remember the process that you went through in terms of getting me to watch Mandalorian? Because I was originally pretty resistant in terms of actually getting into it. No, that, that might be a good story, though. Yeah, I, I don't really remember how that went down. I just remember pestering you a lot. Uh, yeah, so I feel almost like my reactions to the last few Star Wars films have been uh, more hurtful to you than they were to me. In terms of what I went through in terms of watching them. Well, I know you're a fan and you just came out and you were so negative that it just like, and, and you like, like when I'm watching like Star Wars or Game of Thrones or, or you know, anything like you're my guy, like mm. Spencer's my guy to talk about this stuff with. And when you didn't like it, it you're, you're right. It really did hurt me. And I responded with anger. <laughs> Distinctly. I, I have never been so effectively browbeaten on a car ride back home that I was that day after we watched the second Star, second of the new Star Wars movies. Uh, but when this series came out, you watched all of them before I watched any. Yep. And you you just kept on sending me daily messages saying, dude, watch it, dude, watch it, dude, watch it. Mm -hmm. 
I kept resisting. It was like, oh, I don't know. I've been disappointed before, and this one's been hyped so much. And so I, then I went to visit you for New Year's, and you said, you know, hey, we got we got a few hours. Let's watch something. And you set me down on the couch. You mm-hmm. gave me a drink, and we watched four episodes without moving. <laughs> yep. And I knew that if I could just get you to start, you'd like it. But you did have, and you know, I think it's worth talking about because you did have a reaction, which I feel like a very large portion of Star Wars fans did, which was, you know what? I've been disappointed by the product over the past maybe four years, and maybe I'm out on Star Wars. You know, maybe this this whole Disney sell, you know, this whole like give it to different actor or give it to different directors and writers, you know, depending on the project you know, kind of made it a little uneven, you know, maybe I'm out, maybe I'm out with Star Wars. And I was just like, I will not accept this answer from you, Spencer. (laughs) You found a way to to bring me back in. It really has told me that I was worried. I was legitimately worried that I was losing my status as a Star Wars fan. We talked about how important that was for me growing up in terms of exploring Mm -hmm. the legend books, all the wonderful video games, the movie series, even working through the prequels as, as unpleasant as they could be at times. I was happily enjoying the mythos. And then through a mix of the prequels and then going into the Disney Star Wars films, I was flagging. This has given me hope again. It's told me that I need to be more selective, that I can't just consume it wholesale the way I could when I was younger. But for particular material done done well by quality people, this can not only be enjoyed, it can resonate with all the enjoyment I've ever had before. Yeah, very well put, Spencer. And, and I, when you liked it, um, I was probably um, I, I probably was more happy that you liked it than than is healthy. <laughs> you were bouncing in your chair as I was was watching it. We finished the first episode and you turned yes, to me yes, almost yes, pen- like it. Yes, yes. <laughs> you, you turned to me almost pensive, like, "So, uh, do you like it? You want to watch another one?" And I was like, "You know, yeah, you can put in another one." I was like, "I don't even know why I was being coy about it at that point." Yeah, and then you by the fourth episode you really liked it, and I was I was so fired up, and it, and I'm glad that this is bringing a lot more people back to Star Wars, and I will say I think it's bringing a new generation because um, a lot of young kids are watching this. They love Baby Yoda, uh, they're into the fight scenes, you know, the the ship um, battle scenes, and uh, I think it's it's really helping the Star Wars franchise a lot, I'm hopeful. Uh, which I'm like, very grateful for. It gives it a future that others would lack. It was just running purely on nostalgia. Well, with that in mind, why don't we go into the recap of the episode? This is episode seven. It's titled The Reckoning. After we do the recap, we'll go to best line of the episode. I am emperor best line of the episode. I alone will award best line of the episode. However, I will get inputs from Spencer. And then we will cut to nostalgic moment of the episode, which Spencer is the king of. We have a plan. Great. All right. Let's jump into the recap. We start on the Razor's Crest. That's right, right? Razor's Crest. Yep. I always screw it up. I always call it Razor's Edge. Razor's Crest. And Mando gets the message from Apollo Creed. Now, this is the same message that we were getting in, like, fits and starts in the last episode when that droid, uh, was it Zero? I think it was. Yeah, the droid from the last episode. Yeah, yeah. The droid from the last episode was um, in the cockpit piloting the Razor's Crest. And he saw this message kind of come in and out. Well, uh, Mando's back in the cockpit. He's flying the Razor's Crest, and he sees the full message. And Apollo Creed... <laughs> lets Mando know that he's still alive. He explains that the client has stocked up on Imperial Guards and has basically taken over the city. And Apollo Creed does not like this. So he's saying, you know, we have a shared interest now of getting rid of the client because you're never going to be safe if you don't get rid of the client. And the client is made my, you know, city where I'm, I'm living, you know, very, you know, uh, very terrible. 
So basically, he kicks up, he cooks up this plan that Mando will come back to Navarro, and the two of them will work together, mm-hmm. use Baby Yoda as bait to get near the client, and Mando will kill the client. Spencer, what did you think about this plan when you first heard it? If I was in Mando's shoes, and I think Mando's the same mindset, I don't believe this as far as I can throw it. This obviously seems like a trap, but it's in that kind of category of trap of where it's too good to be true, but it's also too good to ignore. There's opportunity here, even though you know you're going to be betrayed. And I think that that is the mindset that Mando has when he accepts this, right? And we know that he's not particularly trustful of Apollo Creed because where does he go? He goes right to, uh, what's that planet? Do you know the planet that he goes to next? Uh, it's the one that was in the, the previous episode where um, Mando and Cara Dune, I think her name is, um, helped save a, a little village. And he goes right back there and he's looking for Cara. Uh, Sorgan. Sorgan is the name of the planet. He goes back to Sorgan and he walks into the same bar that he has been to previously. This is the bar that he met Cara at initially. And it's the same bar that uh, our homeboy, Baby Yoda, got his bone broth. Oft remembered, yes. And Cara, <laughs> go ahead. It's good to see that apparently Gina Carano and Cara Dune are just the same person because we walk right in the middle of a mixed martial arts match. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, the actress who plays Cara um, is a mixed martial artist. And what we see when, when Mando gets to, well, we don't know initially that, that Mando's in the bar. We just cut to the bar and we see Cara in a fight. Cool fight scene here. I really like this effect. She's linked up with. Um, it looks like an alien that is the same uh, species as Berg from the last episode. Did, did you get that too? I didn't put two and two together, but yeah, think in retrospect, I think you're right. Yeah, I think it's a, and so it presumably a very strong person, but Carr is able to, Carr is able to ground and pound mixed martial arts style. She gets the guy on the ground, punches him a few times and chokes him with the laser that is connecting the two of them. Boom, Carr wins and she starts to collect her uh, winnings and then Mando approaches her. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and he clearly is going to, as you said, he does not trust this. This there's obviously his hackles are up. There are clear warning signs here. He wants some, he wants a good gun to watch his back. And it's kind of touching that he goes to her first for this for this purpose. Well, I mean, she had, she did help him save the, the village, which I think Mando was very proud that he did. And then also she straight up saved baby Yoda's life because, mm-hmm. There was somebody that had his baby Yoda's cute little head and scope and, and she killed that person. So he trusts her as much as Mando is willing to trust just about anybody. Well, um, well it's also and, considered the other characters from our, th- well, I'll call them the three one-off episodes. She's the only survivor. Yeah. She's tough, man. I mean, she, she is definitely somebody I'd want in my corner and Mando's asking for her help, but she says she can't leave because she's too hot. Basically like the empire or the new, the new Republic would be after me. I can't leave. Well, what did we learn in the last episode? That the Razor's Crest, you know, it's not on the same uh, network as as the New mm-hmm. Republic or the Old Empire, for that matter. So he's like, yeah, look, I got a ship that will protect you. I know you're hot, but they won't they won't catch you in my ship. But she again, she shrugs it off. It's like, you know what? I'm not I'm not really here to play soldier anymore. Not I, I, I'm not I I've spent my career fighting local warlords. I'm done with that. Mando said, "This is not a local warlord." It's the Empire. And she says, I'm in. Click. <laughs> That's Instantly. it. Done. You exactly. Remember, what, remember what, what it is about her background that kind of informs this choice? Yeah, yeah. go ahead and explain it. 
Uh, she, from what we learned, people, I don't think they ever really direct. No, they do address this in a, I think, not this this episode, but the next episode. She is essentially one of the survivors of Alderaan. And she's one of the people mm-hmm. who was off-world at the time of its destruction. And famously in the lore, them some people that want some revenge for what happened to everything they knew and everyone they knew. Do you think, question for you, Spencer, do you think that she will ever mention Princess Leia? I think that they will find... I'm assuming she's going to be back in the next season. I hope so, yeah. She does wonderfully with the role. I really hope they bring her back. I think they have to at some point. It's just something that really needs to be done carefully. Because that is something that can really sound hokey quick. Yeah, but if she works it in to just a casual conversation at some point, in a way that feels natural, I'm going to fist pump for 20 minutes. (laughs) You you better believe Favreau wants to work that in somehow. Oh, absolutely. Um, Back on the ship, Mando shows Kara his stash of weapons. Pretty impressive. (laughs) She's she's enjoying it. Yeah, she likes it. She has him pick one, and Mando explains that the last time he showed up at Navarro, he ran into some trouble with the guild. Understatement of the year. (laughs) Uh, he explains that he has to settle things with the client because, as she saw, people will continue to come for Baby Yoda uh, until the client, either the client is dead or the client has Baby Yoda. And she agrees. All of a sudden, bang, the ship goes nuts. It's lurching left and right. You see lights going off, sensors going off, loud noises. What the hell is happening, Spencer? Mando climbs up feverishly to the top of the cockpit, and Baby Yoda is on a joystick <laughs> flying the ship. <laughs> Which, let's just say, among the most adorable scenes done in this entire series. I don't know how they, I just don't know how they're doing the puppet, but it looks so realistic. Because he's holding on, and he's swinging back and forth, and you see him going, ooh. (laughs) It just looks looks so realistic and so incredibly cute. Now, there's something I noticed this time around I did not notice the first time I watched it. Um, Before Yoda starts uh, steering the ship, we see his head in the background looking down on the two of them as they're talking about going back to the planet, about what they need to risk for the sake of the kid. And then oh. immediately the next scene is him steering the ship. Oh, interesting. So I did not connect those two. Now, I don't know whether they're connected, but the fact they very explicitly showed him leaning in over Mando's shoulder and listening in on the conversation to immediately then going steering the ship, is he in some ways expressing an opinion about this plan, about them risking themselves for him, or... Something along those lines? I don't know. I think everything's on the table with regards to what Baby Yoda understands. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I think that we... we Everything's on the table. He could be understanding practically nothing. Or he could be understanding every single thing. And I think it's all on the table, right? And there are several scenes we're going to see here in a moment that really play with that. About the degree to which he's aware of his surroundings, but how well he understands what is going on. They get the ship under control, and Kara makes the point that they need someone to look after Baby Yoda. Mando has just the person. <laughs> Cut to Mando and Kara in front of Quill's home. Quill is back, Spencer. I'm so happy. I have spoken. Quill is back. Quill makes the point that Baby Yoda hasn't grown much. <laughs> no, he, no, he hasn't. Uh, Mando suggests that Baby Yoda might be, um, and I'm, this is my word here, but I'm, this is, I'm trying to summarize, kind of manufactured in some way or created. Yep. Um. And Quill pushes back. He says, you know what? No, I've seen, you know, aliens or species that have been sort of like uh, created by the Empire. And this guy is not it. He's got all these imperfections. This guy is not it. So what I think is happening there is that is Favreau trying to explain to the astute fan that Baby Yoda is not a clone. 
because right. you very like the 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 um, the zeitgeist the the fandom justifiably cooked up a theory that this might be a Yoda clone, which would be in fitting with the Legends lore. There are a lot of clones that show up at various times in the Legends lore for major characters. The Emperor comes back several times. We get clones of Luke. A lot of thing happens when it comes to cloning technology in Star Wars. But yeah, we, we it, actually had a clone. Sorry, sorry to cut you off, but I just want to make this quick point. We actually had a clone of the Emperor in the last um, Star Wars movie. Which so so yeah, cloning technology very very important to the narrative. And of course, the clones themselves, in terms of uh, cloning Jango Fett, which fits in with the Mandalorians. This is a big part of Star Wars. However, even in the Legends, it started to get damn hokey. So yeah, I like the decision that no, this is a member of Yoda's species. That gives us a lot more fun lore options to go with. Yeah, and I tend to think that Quill is right here. Now, of course, there's a large segment of the fandom who thinks that Quill was wrong and that, you know, we could still consider um, Baby Yoda a Yoda clone. But, uh, you know, I I don't think so. I think this is Favreau trying to close the door on that theory. I prefer, I would prefer if 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 he isn't. I would prefer if it is indeed his own individual, his own legacy, his own history unassociated with Yoda. We know enough about Yoda that gives us an insight into the species. Let's get a new window into it. That'd be fun. Uh, I do love that uh, Quill immediately uses this as a way of framing a uh, series of flirting that he directs at Cara Dune. Yeah, he does, because he he points out that she could have easily been a clone. She's so perfect. (laughs) She could have been created by the best cloning technology or something. He has some some way of putting it, but that's that's what he's he's trying to say. Mm -hmm. Um... Yeah, get it, Quill, uh, has been my notes. And then walks IG-11. Spencer, tell us about the background about IG-11. Uh, in uh, of this particular droid, or of the... Ra- this particular droid showed up, what was it, back in episode one? Episode two? How long has it been so. now? I believe it was episode one. I think it was episode one, of where he is one of many members of the guild that accepted the contract to go after Baby Yoda. Without, like all the rest of them, without really any knowledge of what the contract was for. They just knew it was at a location that was overloaded with mercenaries to defend whatever this target was, and your job was to go in and eliminate the target by any means necessary. He and Mando briefly teamed up for the purpose of making that operation happen, had a very successful partnership that ended with IG-11 determined by programming to enforce the contract with no small amount of actually regret in those computerized functions, and Mando, having a much, at the time, wider range of emotional capacity, deciding that that was no longer his mission and executing IG-11 to stop it. Yep. <clears throat> Mando and Kara, uh, you know, because of this history, Mando and Kara draw on IG-11, but Quill explains that he's been reconstructed and reprogrammed. Then we get a montage of Quill working on IG-11. Very interesting to see the process of him working on IG-11. Spencer, I will say that I was quite surprised to see the, in the montage that... Quill had to basically train IG-11 on motor functions. I did not know this is something that you had to do with droids. And I don't. Um, I always thought that if once you, it was a matter of programming. It wasn't learned behavior. You, it's, there's no nurture involved in droids, or at least that's what I thought, but apparently I'm wrong. No, I think you're right. I think this is a conscious decision by Quill to do it different. That he seems to be in oh. many ways trying to get IG-11 to work and work outside of what his programming is. We've seen nothing to suggest that Quill is a is a talented programmer. He's a, he's a very talented mechanic. He apparently has some background in genetic engineering, but in terms of computer programming, we haven't seen anything. So it seems to be that he's intentionally trying to take this droid with existing programming from base 11, from base one, 
and work him through training, through education, through much more practical, almost like raising a child means to a different direction. Now, there's probably, there's certainly an element of programming behind that to even make that possible. But I almost feel like this is Quill trying to treat a droid more like a person in terms of re-educating them than just treating them like a piece of machinery. Yeah, very good point. Um, I will say that at the end of this, uh, regardless of <clears throat> what the theory is on this, like training him um, with learned behavior, right? It could be what you're talking about, that it was a conscious decision by Quill um, to do this, or it could be what I sort of pointed out earlier, that maybe this is something you have to do with droids. I don't know. Mm. Either way, he ends up with a sweet fucking droid, Spencer. Uh, he ends up with a very high-quality droid serving remarkably effective domestic purposes ig-11 if you have an ig-11 that is com that is trained to be completely loyal to you that is huge i mean i don't know what that commands in the marketplace but that is huge because the ig-11 um droids as we've covered on this podcast um very very high quality um and dangerous oh yeah ig-88 was one of the most feared assassins in the entire galaxy during his prime and, you know, I have to believe that despite all prior, prior training in terms of murdering, that is probably the single best cup of tea that Cara Dune has ever had based on oh. I, the effort IG-11 probably put in that. Oh, I'm sure. Absolutely. Probably, you know, brewed with a little honey, maybe. Um, maybe a little peach blossom something. Oh. Gotta be nice. Uh, Mando asks, is it still a hunter? Quill, no, but it will protect you. Very important line there. I might end up nominating that for best line of the episode mando explains that he got into a little trouble <laughs> and needs his help uh needs quill's help and quill's like yeah i kind of figured <laughs> i figured you got in trouble that's why you're back here mm -hmm. um when he asks for help uh, one thing i wanted to point out when when he asks for help he does call quill an ugnaught which is Quill's species and quill politely reminds him that he has a name um which i thought was a, a pretty cool sequence there of, of quill trying to assert to, to mando hey man like we're friends now. Don't just call me my fucking. Don't call me by my species name. There's um, a lot of good, there's a lot of good moments like that in these initial scenes we have with Quill about where he's asserting to both Caradun and to Mando that I'm my own person. I've got my history. I've got my species. I've got yep. my prior connections that I don't. I'm not always happy about. But I'm my own person by my own labors and actions. And I demand that you respect me. You know, yes. he he he's not over the line about that. I think I don't I don't think he's like asserting some sort of like. A boisterous ego that is problematic i think he's just laying down this line of like i will be respected uh, yeah. which i think is totally fair and, and he's even doing it in a very accommodating way like with respect to Cara Dune, he the moment he realizes that she's a, a, a um an, a republic or at the time rebel alliance drop trooper he mm -hmm. reveals that he also was a soldier in the war and that regretfully he fought on the other side mm -hmm. and he doesn't lie about it he doesn't hide about it he doesn't offer anything more of apologize, uh, apologies for it other than that one line. It's part of his history that he's being open and honest with her about it and trusting her enough that she'll accept him regardless of it. Now, they still yeah. butt heads a bit with respect to it as time goes on, but it really yeah, should. We, mm -hmm. Yeah, go ahead. yeah we'll, we'll get to that scene you're talking about um, here in a second where, where, where they talk about the you know Quill's history in the Empire. Uh, sorry, I cut you off there. Did you want to finish your thought? No, no, good enough. Right, yeah, sorry about that. Um and uh, so, yeah, um, this is Mando still trying to ask Quill for his help. Uh, Quill explains that IG-11 will need to join him um, if he's going to help take care of Baby Yoda. Mando freaks out. Quill asks why Mando is so distrustful of droids. Great line here by Quill. Droids are not good or bad. They are neutral reflections of those that imprint them. 
like that line a lot. Love that line. Let's nominate that one for best line of the episode right here, right now. Um, then Quill asks if Mando trusts him. Mando says yes, and Quill says, well, you need to trust my work. Um, again, Quill is asserting that IG-11 is going to join them on the trip. Quill, shout out to Quill. Love this guy. Heart in the right place says he won't do it for payment, but he's doing it to protect the little one and eh, a little added benefit to continue to rid the galaxy of the Empire. Clearly, uh, clearly Quill does not like the Empire. He says that um, something along the lines of, you know, everywhere the Empire still touches is, you know, still in trouble or problematic or something. I, I don't know. Yeah. If, do you have the line with you? Yeah. I, 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 let me actually just quote the full line at the end because it's a good one. Yeah, uh, it's great. Then you will trust my work. IG-11 will join me, and we do not do it for payment, but to protect the child from imperial slavery. None will be free until the old ways are gone forever. None will be free until the old ways are gone forever. Great line there. Uh, but he does say he's taking the blurgs too. There's an important part. <laughs> a little important detail. The he's got three blurgs. He's taking three blurgs with him. <clears throat> Cut to the ship. Mando and Kara are arm wrestling. Cut to Baby Yoda's face. Baby Yoda's face gets scrunched up. Oh. Hey, what is this? Getting mad. Getting mad. Scrunched face. Picks up the hand. Oh. Sticks the hand out. All of a sudden, he's force choking Kara. Oh my God, Spencer. Oh. oh my God. First off, cute as can be that he's like, you hurting my dad. I'll kill you. Second, this Baby Yoda is very, very force strong. Like a, a force choke is not something that like introductory folks to the force can do i mean it requires a very strong um force presence to be able to do that oh, yeah. i mean you're talking jedi knight level stuff here oh yeah and you know most of the more recent disney movies kind of streamline the process by which one by which one uses force powers but there's a lot of training that normally goes into that it's a very rare individual it's a very rare species that kind of has this just instinctive nature of use of the force but even then Force abilities affecting yourself and things around you are one thing. Affecting other people is a whole other level. And the fact that he's just so casually doing this. We've never, we've had hints that he, well, we've, we've seen him force lift somebody. We the, picked uh, the mud horn mud up, horn yeah. before. We've seen like he was about to do something to Zira. But the fact he's, you know, choking a, a sapient being right here in front of him effortlessly in a way that she clearly says he almost killed me is intimidating. It's very, very impressive. We don't know if Baby Yoda can just do that at you know at will, right? Because it did seem like it was a natural reaction to the situation where he was he thought his you know protector or his dad or his buddy, whatever you want to call it, Mando, was in real physical harm. And so he was able to do it. I'm not I, I would wonder if he's just able to do it at the drop of a hat. We don't know. But the fact that he even did it once is shows that he's extremely strong in the force for a baby. Yeah, could, could I nominate Baby Yoda's uh, eyebrows for best line of the episode? Because those eyebrows are working <laughs> volumes right now. It is a look you don't want to see, my friend. You do not want to see the curled up Baby Yoda eyebrows. You're in trouble if you do. It's credit to Mando that he reads the situation immediately when, when this is happening. I would have been baffled for a second. Yeah, he did notice that Baby Yoda was doing it. I, I, again, I, 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 she might have died if I was there. I would have never have pieced together that Baby Yoda was doing it. But Mando did. He picks up Baby Yoda, tells him to stop. Quill then says that the that was very interesting and that the previous story that Mando told him about Baby Yoda and the Mudhorn makes more sense now. Quill seems to have some sort of, he has heard somewhere, right. with not a lot of detail it seems, about the Force. He 
it's unclear how much he knows, but he does say, like, you know, I've heard about this. You know, I kind of heard about this before, that people can do things like this. Right. And it's clear that Mando and Kara have never heard about the Force at all, which, you know, provides really interesting perspective about, you know, the stories that we were seeing in Star Wars, you know, in the main movies. The folks in the main movies are royalty. They're the best of the best. Literally, they hear, they, Yeah, exactly. They know about things that the rest of the galaxy has no conception of, the Force included, right? And, and we get evidence of this here. Yeah, it, it's important to note that at their high point, there were like 10,000 members of the Jedi Order. At their like high point, they have always been an exceptionally rare breed, even when they were a dominant force in terms of the justice in the galaxy. Nowadays, over the last few generations, they, to the degree that they have faded to myth, to the degree they're even existing in myth would be impressive. Yeah, and we have Quill, who served the Empire for something like 150 years. We've got Mando. God knows how many planets Mando's been to. Kara, who, you know, has her own history with, with the Empire and with the, new, with the, with the, rebel, um, the rebels in the New Republic, and has been to a ton of planets there. And the best they can cook up with cook up to know about the force is quill yeah i've kind of heard about this somewhere before now i interpreted quill's line about the three of your human lifetimes as metaphorical uh rather than literal um just based on my i don't i don't know whether it's still canon how long the empire was in place or not because i always interpreted it being no more than a generation or two but i who knows regardless regardless you put in a lot of pain and indentured servitude well my guess is that he was conflating his time with the old republic sure like he was with the old republic it turned into the empire that i thought it was literal but i i, I could be wrong that's why i used 150 because i because of that line no, I'm sure, I'm sure. um where were the hell are we at now um oh yeah uh quill and Kara start a fight <laughs> where um this is what you were talking about before uh, i'll go really quickly because we kind of covered it but um quill basically Kara. You know, challenges Quill about the fact that he served the Empire, and Quill stands up for himself and says, "Hey, look, I I served three of your lifetimes, and I earned my freedom." Uh, and basically, you know, demands her to put some respect on his name. Totally fair. Kara then asks why they're going to Navarro, and Mando reinforces the plan. IG Eleven comes in. This is in the cockpit. IG Eleven comes in and asks if they would like some tea, some of that really good tea Spencer was talking about. Mando says, "There's no way." IG-11 leaves the ship. Kara, you got a real thing for droids, Mando. I got a real thing for that droid. Which is not true, Mando. That's not true. You got a thing for all droids. <laughs> We've it, seen it. Mando, you know, he's always stoic. He's but he, he's usually pretty honest with the people around him about, you know, his own history or whatever else. He either just refused to talk about it or he'll just say what happened. Droid history? He ain't saying a word to anybody about that. No, he's not. And... Um, yeah, you know, he basically lies to her, like, oh, well, I'm, I'm only upset at that droid. No, you're upset at all droids, Mando. And off they go. They land in Navarro to a welcoming party of Apollo Creed and some of his crew. Some nameless crew. Looks like red shirt potential to me, right, Spencer? From the first moment they appear. It's like, oh, it's a wonderfully diverse cast of characters to die. Yeah, definitely red shirts. Apollo apologizes for the remote rendezvous, but things are a little different now. I think he's, you know, again, referencing the fact that the, the city there in Navarro that he lives is completely overrun by the Empire. Apollo comments that they both have a crew. Uh, and I think he is mentioning this because he's like, yeah, Mando, you're not alone. I think he was hoping Mando would come alone. He mentions that Kara should stay at the ship and Mando pushes back, says, no, Kara comes with me. And then Apollo suggests, I think a very good suggestion here. Uh, that she at least cover her tattoo. Spencer, can you give a little background on what the hell that tattoo is? 
Uh, from what we have heard, it is a marker of her prior service in, in the Rebel Alliance as a drop trooper, and which would clearly distinguish her to any Imperial as someone who would in no way ever be able to tolerate their presence or work with them. So, clear yeah. evidence that needs to be obscured. And given that, I feel like Mando and Kara are a little stupid that she even got off the ship without covering it up. I mean, Mando, Mando should have put that two and two together and said, you need to cover that up. But anyway, he didn't. Apollo then asked to see Baby Yoda. Very tense scene here, Spencer. My mm. cockles were up. My God, anytime, anytime somebody that I don't trust is touching Baby Yoda, I'm freaking out. Um, Apollo picks Baby Yoda up, says, oh, this guy's cute. I understand why everybody's after him, you know. Couple, couple niceties, and puts him back in. So, he, he no trouble seems, for Ruby over there. He seems legitimately curious. This is only the motivation for that scene. Yep. And the whole crew takes off. They pass a real wasteland. Um, there's some species that looks a lot like a coyote is there. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, they make camp and they start a fire. Great scene here, by the way. They start roasting some meat. Uh, a lot of meat, by the way. It looks like they're going to eat well. And Quill is feeding Baby Yoda, which is a very cute scene. Shout out to Quill. He's doing his job. He's taking care of Baby Yoda. And Apollo says he's never seen anything like Baby Yoda. But he does comment on how much the client is willing to pay for it. Um, He kind of can't get that that money out of his mind, it doesn't look like. Mm -hmm. And Mando asks to go over the plan again. It's pretty simple. Get in front of them with Baby Yoda. Kill the client. Mando, you don't need to go over (laughs) the plan again and again. This isn't a this isn't a very dense plan. Right, Creed, uh, Apollo Creed is trying to frame this as just the simplest plan possible. He's lying, but he's just framing this as said, "Okay, we get we take the kid, mm-hmm. we go we go in front of him, we shoot the guy, we leave, we win." Yeah, no problem. Everybody wins. Mando asks how many people will be with the client. Apollo says four. Let's remember that number four. Uh, no more. Mentions uh, nothing can go wrong, and as soon as he says what nothing can go wrong, some pterodactyl-looking things. I don't think they're quite birds. Uh, there's some kind. They of, look like know, they're reptiles, maybe. Yeah, some kind of reptilian winged creature is just swooping out of the darkness in a beautifully filmed scene that is just really kind of scary and intimidating. Yeah, again, a, you know, kind of little horror movie element because of how they're playing with light. The light from the campfire only um, hits. These pterodactyl-looking things, um, you know, very, very lightly and, and sort of sparse. And so you really don't have a conception of where they are during the scene. And they're just kind of dropping in and hitting the crew. They do scratch um, Apollo Creed. Uh, I think that happens right away. Uh, they also come in and carry one blurg away. And uh, Quill is clearly not happy with that. It looks like one of the bounty hunters that he brought with him also gets got. Gets got. I think uh, they I think, Go we lose, I think we lose two Blurgs and a Bounty Hunter before this is done, and possibly an Apollo Creed. I didn't see that they lost. I thought they only had three Blurgs and they only lost one. Uh, one got taken away, and the other one sadly got crushed when they shot They shot the creature that was grabbing onto it. But I guess between a mix of poison and just, you know, claws and weight, it uh, dies too. So that's a good point, uh, Spencer, uh, that we need to address here is that these winged creatures, whatever they are, their claws do have poison in them. Um, they do to your point. They go after another blurg, and then this winged creature gets shot, mostly by Kara. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to shout out Kara here. She seems to be the best shot of the group. And uh, Mando then uses that torch on his hand, fires that up, and um, is able to to light one of these little things on fire. That's enough to get them to finally leave. 
everyone starts to take stock of what happened and Mando checks on Baby Yoda. They see that Apollo Creed has a very deep cut. It looks like in his right arm. Mm-hmm. And Kara, shout out to Kara. She's, she's, picking her up was a really good idea by, by Mando because she immediately recognizes this is something that needs medical attention. She injects him with something, uh, mentions that it's bad, that this, this is poison and it's starting to, to go through his body, starting to spread. And Kara asks for more med packs. Um, but shockingly enough, these these bounty hunters are traveling with no med packs. Mm-hmm. It's unclear if Kara had more med packs, if she could actually have have helped Apollo Creed. Uh, but it's clear that the one med pack and the one thing that she injected him with was not going to be enough, right? Yeah. And so Creed briefly starts thinking about his own mortality, thinking about this is it now. Yeah. But everyone's surprised. Baby Yoda starts to walk up. Yep. And we get some change in the music. We get kind of softer music, so kind of fluty music. Mm-hmm. And uh, Baby Yoda walks up to Apollo and puts a hand on him. Kara then dismisses Baby Yoda, says, we need to get him out of here. But Quill, shout out to Quill, very smart, urges them to wait. Baby Yoda keeps his hand on Apollo Creed and force heals him. And this blows everyone, myself and the rest of the Star Wars community away. Um, And they all take a second to look at Apollo Creed's perfectly fine arm. Um, What did you, what did you, yeah, anyway, your thoughts, Spencer. I think, I think this is the first appearance of force healing in any of the Star Wars movies. I don't think we've really ever seen it previously in the Star Wars films. It's very much founded in the, in the Legends lore. It's very much appears in a lot of the video games and the books. But I think this is the first time we've seen it, seen it in, uh, on film. So I'm going to correct you a little bit there. Um, we do get Force healing in um, the last Star Wars movie. So Episode Nine, Rise of Skywalker. Me. So that is when um, uh, Rey... And uh, what's his nuts? Um, the Empire guy, uh, Ray. <laughs> you don't talk about. Car- I know. Boy, this is our investment. In our, this is a level of our investment in the characters. We're at the Empire guy. <laughs> you don't. I, I, I'm having a mental blank. I do know this. I've watched that movie probably ten times. Um, uh, Han Solo and and, um, and, uh, and Princess Leia's, Leia's son, yes. Ben. What's this guy's name? It, it, ben Solo works for now. No, it's not. It's not going to work because I have to look this up. Um, it's Kylo Ren. Then. Kylo Ren. There we go. Uh, Ray and Kylo Ren are fighting, and I think Ray uh, does enough to kill Kylo Ren, and then they have a moment, and then she puts his hand on his stomach and force heals him. You are correct. I remember this. And he uh, replays repays the favor in a scene later where he force heals Ray, but in doing so, actually. Um, and gives so much of his life energy that she that he dies. Mm-hmm. So he dies healing Ray. So I will agree with you that in the new canon we do not see force healing until episode nine, the rise of Skywalker. So it's very late in the series, mm-hmm. uh, but then we see it again here. And my question to you, Spencer, do you think because the, the the rise of Skywalker came out uh, in December, then um, th- I think the next year, starting maybe October, we had. The Mandalorian. So I wonder if in writing The Mandalorian, um, which had to be written before The Rise of Skywalker came out, do you think that there was some collusion there? Do you think that uh, John Favreau was talking to um, the folks who were running The Rise of Skywalker about this force healing thing? Because it's interesting that in two Star Wars products that get released back to back, we see force healing and we had never seen it before. 
I don't know for sure. That's an interesting question. I really don't know about the production background for the, for the series, but that that would be kind of interesting to explore. It's just interesting to me that like we never get it, we never get it, and boom, back to back, Star Wars products have it. But anyway, um, we did get it in, in Episode Nine, but we get it here, and it blows everyone away again, asserting how much power Baby Yoda has. Because again, we, you know, the only time we've ever seen Force Heal is between Kylo Ren and Rey, both. Are two of the most two people two of the people who are the most strong with the Force in the entire universe. Oh, yeah. and, and in terms of the legend lore, it's usually the marker of a powerful Jedi that they're able to do that. Uh, Nomi Sunrider, um, Kyle Katarn are examples that we see before that are notably powerful Jedi, and then associated with that they're able to heal others with their abilities. Yeah, exactly. So uh, you know, again, if you have that background, we're just seeing that Baby Yoda is so extremely strong with the Force. Um, uh, it's we, also, uh, well, back up for the, uh, I'll say, runner-up for most adorable scene of the episode. Again, Yoda's little faints after he uses powerful force powers are just my catnip. Well, I don't think he fainted here. He just kind of fell back, right? He was tired, yes. Yeah, exactly. But I do think that's an important thing to say. Because, right, like, when he used the force to pick up the Mudhorn for, like, a, what, 10-second period, that was enough to knock him out for about... 12 hours yeah he was down and out and same thing too with some other times we've seen him use his force powers it really takes it out of him maybe he's improving a bit yeah we saw that you know choking Kara didn't make him tired at all and this just made him sit down so mm-hmm. yeah maybe he's improving a little bit cut to the group walking the next day Apollo Cletus, Apollo is clearly talking to the bounty hunters in front away from Kara and Mando and we get Kara and Mando speculating about what they're talking about uh, Mando wants to know if they're having second thoughts. Uh, Apollo, Mando, and Kara then are standing next to each other, um, kind of out in front of the bounty hunters. And whoop! Apollo turns around, starts firing. Looks like he's going to fire on Mando and Kara, but no, he is firing at the bounty hunters. He drops them in one shot each, too. It's impressive shooting right there. He's he's a pretty good shot. You know, we saw that in the episode where um, Mando was busting out away from the guild it's with true. baby yoda he dropped yeah. the droid when they were driving the car exactly he was he was the one of the better shots of the entire uh guild crew there so he, he's got some skills and he explains well when, after he does this he has a great line he looks at them and says there's something you should know it's like <laughs> yeah <laughs> I start think talking so. he says the plan was to kill you and take the kid but after what happened last night i can't go through with it so what we're seeing here is that baby yoda by having that innate good in him, mm-hmm. the sense that this man was in trouble, I'm going to help him, I'm going to heal him, has actually saved his own life. And this is the optimism of the Jedi Order of the Light Side, the Jedi Code embodied, yes. and I love it so much. I do too. That, that, God, that's a great way to put it, Spencer. You, you put it better than I was going to be able to, because I just wanted to point out that this is how the Force is supposed to work for good. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to make the world better. And it made, it certainly helped Apollo Creed. It flipped him. It made him want to do good. It made him want to protect Baby Yoda. That is the light side. That is what the light side represents. It's not what force powers are, are light or dark. It's not what political views you have. It's the helping of others. That's what matters. Apollo says they can gun, you can gun me down if you want to. But you all know uh, that Baby, Baby Yoda will never be safe as long as the client is alive. Kara is on the side of killing him, but Quill urges them to let apollo speak mando says they need to keep apollo um he kind of comes down on the side of of quill and 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 buys what apollo is selling which is in effect look we need you if we're ever going to get anywhere near the client have any hope of killing him and any hope of keeping baby yoda safe 
So then they cook up a plan. Mm-hmm. The plan is, new plan. New plan B, Spencer. On the fly. I like this one a touch better than the original plan, but it's still not great. Mm-hmm. Um, they say, let's make it look like Mando has been captured. So, make it look like the original plan has played out. Uh, Apollo and Kara will bring them in. In this plan, they say that, man, well, Kara helped them catch Mando. I don't know how they're going to explain where Kara came from or anything. But anyway, this person helped to catch Mando. Uh, and then uh, they'll bring in Baby Yoda. And Mando goes, no, we're not bringing in Baby Yoda. I got a plan. He His plan is to send Baby Yoda back with Quill, back to the ship, to engage ground protocol so that the ship will be protected. And they will bring in the empty carrier um, that looks like, you know, that, that, that Baby Yoda sure. travels in. Idea being, eh, that'll buy us enough time to get near the client so that we can kill the client, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the plan. Spencer, what do you think of the pl- plan B? Uh, you know, there's at least one flaw with this plan, which we're going to see play out here in a second, is that Creed is still not telling them everything. Creed no. still knows this town is infested with Imperial personnel. It's not four guys. It's like 40. Well, and- I'm going to back up Apollo here. Because he does explain to Mando, hey, my city's overrun with these folks now. He did tell them that in a different, in the initial message, right? He did tell them that in the initial message. He has dropped that off the stories that have followed since. And he's made a point of saying it's four guys. Now, he's being the mathemat- it's the mathematician kind of answer. What he's literally saying is there's four bodyguards immediately around him. He's not yes. talking about the garrison. But that's a key detail to mention now when you're reworking the plan on the fly. Completely agree. They walk up to the town and the stormtrooper, there's stormtroopers at the gate who are on speeders, uh, or at least have speeders next to them, and they scan Apollo's credentials. Mm-hmm. And one of the stormtroopers looks at uh, the prisoner, uh, Mando, and says he'll pay 20 credits for Mando's helmet. Apollo, no way, that's going on my wall. <laughs> they start to walk through town and it's overrun with stormtroopers, to oh. your point, Spencer. They're everywhere. I didn't get a good count on them, but it, it's got to be at least 100 in this town. And more will be showing up before we're done, too. This town, I mean, it, it was, we had some worries about this previously, even from, from like Cara Dune, for example, where she said, huh, Navarro? That was occupied by the Imperials through the end of the war. We never took it. We lost every troop we tried to send to take it. Yep. Quill is going back with Baby Yoda. Um, they get their, the other crew, go back into a building, and they meet the client. It's Werner Herzog with four guards this is where apollo goes see told you four, four guards two. doesn't really help me dude because if i kill the client now and i kill the four guards what about the umpteen amount of stormtroopers outside anyway he points out still four guards werner mentions how beautiful mando's armor is uh, makes a point of saying it's amazing how beautiful veskar can be when forged by its ancient an- the ancient ancestors uh, werner then goes on a rant about how it's unfortunate about what happened to the mandalorian's home planet that all planets need imperial rules. Says every planet that the Empire touches is better off. He's still drinking the Kool-Aid hard. Ask them to compare imperial rule to what is happening now. Quote, look outside. Is the world more peaceful since the revolution? I see nothing but death and chaos. It's interesting too, because he's definitely speaking to them, but it's almost an element that he's talking to himself and trying to convince himself here too. Because this guy... Mm -hmm has a broader perspective and a more nuanced kind of understanding. We've seen a lot of Imperial officials and Imperial officers. He has an appreciation of Mandalorian culture. He has a willingness to, you know, work the rules and work with people without being just an unnecessary martinet. This is an interesting character we're not going to get to find out more about because he's going to die in this scene. But I feel like at almost a certain point that this he's chosen this as his code 
and he's using it to justify everything else that happens. But every now and then he still needs to kind of repeat it to himself to make to convince himself it's still true. Yep. He says he'd like to see the baby. And um, they say, well, he's sleeping. And he says, look, we'll be quiet. I need to see the baby. <laughs> yeah, this, this plan was never going to work for long. No, they were always going to want to see the baby. As a matter of fact, I probably would have brought Baby Yoda with me. Just because, like, to your point, it never would have worked without him. Even though it's risky, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it's this scene is broken up because he gets a call. He looks at a hologram. And now we finally see Moff Gideon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moff Gideon owns a bunch of chicken joints out in Arizona, as I've uh, established previously. <laughs> he, he flies in from the mirror now and then. Yeah, a bunch of chicken joints out in Arizona. Uh, very, it looks very good too. Also, seems to have a lot of money. Now, don't have any idea where he gets it from. Mm-hmm. Um, Moff Gideon asks how Baby Yoda is doing. Herzog said it's sleeping. Moff Gideon says you may want to check again. And then we see blaster fire come in from a side of this building that's exposed to the street that's outside, and it kills Herzog and his men. The whole side of the building ends up being blown out, and we see upwards of what maybe. 50 stormtroopers line up in formation outside yeah, the building with some black armored stormtroopers there at front that i think we last saw in what rogue one yes rogue one so these are like the um i believe these are like the platoon or squad leaders of stormtroopers so they have better armor they're better shots which i think anything in the universe is a better shot than a stormtrooper <laughs> um and they're out in front and then we see a bunch of stormtroopers come up in formation um and Mando calls Quill. He says, hey, you need to hurry up. You need to get to, get to the ship. We're pinned down here. But what we see is that his message to Quill is intercepted. Uh, I guess the AM radio, a lot of people can tune into here uh, on Navarro. And it's intercepted by the stormtroopers who control the gate. They take off on their speeders after Quill. We see, what do we see land, Spencer? Uh, we see one of the more unique uh, TIE fighters I've ever seen Woo! in, Star Wars, in, in the Star Wars universe. It a, looks a t- so much like Vader's storm, a Tie Fighter. I know it's not Vader's Tie Fighter, but it looks mm. like the same model. It, it's it is not. It is definitely has the same look and shape before it lands. But Tie Fighters do not land. They are a strictly space only vehicle. They don't even operate in the atmosphere that well. This is custom tailored all to shit. If this thing is basically working like his personal shuttle to transport about, but yep. the, they are Good. working the Vader comparisons hard when it comes to the look of this character and his tools of the trade. It looks very, very similar to the Vader TIE Fighter. And to your point, it does. It is able to land smoothly on the courtyard, outstrolls um, Moff Gideon. And inside the building, we see uh, Mando, Kara, and Apollo. And they're they're pinned down, pinned down meaning like behind some pillars of this building that haven't yet to be blown off. And um, Moff Gideon walks out and addresses them. He says, you have something I want. Kara, who's this guy? <laughs> Back to Moff Gideon. You may think you have some idea of what you have, but you do not. That is probably very true. <laughs> I don't think they know what they have. Um, Mando keeps asking if Quill is back at the ship. Moff Gideon says that in a few moments, what you have will be mine. Meaning Baby Yoda. He says it means more to me than you will ever know. Very interesting line there. I don't know what to make of that line, Spencer. Nor I, but we we have heard and seen before the amount of obsession these characters have about getting the child back. We don't know why at all. We do not know how this how a baby Yoda factors into their plans. We just know that he is some integral part that they just cannot do without. Tough, tough ending to this episode, Spencer. 
Oh, God. I don't even like going over it. Quill is almost at the ship. I mean, we see the, we see the, the, the landing pad. We see the little uh, ramp come down. Quill is right there. He's probably 50 feet from the ship. Cut away, cut back. We see Baby Yoda on the ground. Then we see Quill, who has been killed. And Baby Yoda is picked up by the stormtroopers. Th- End was, of episode. This was a hard enough death that I struggled to accept it. I was fighting with you about, no, 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 no. He's not dead. He can't be dead. You did. No. Yeah, you did. You kept telling me, um, like, I think you were reviewing the episode with me and you went, and we have, Quill was seriously injured. And I was like, <laughs> no, he's dead. And you're no. like, I don't know. We don't, we don't know. And I'm like, Spencer, we saw him dead. He's dead. He was literally smoking and I was still fighting. I was like, no, 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 no. Until he is literally buried in the ground. And even then I've got questions. He's not actually dead. He's too good of a character. And I'd already seen the next episode. I knew he was dead. And I was just like, Spencer, you need to come to terms with this. <laughs> Will is dead. Tough ending there. We are left with our heroes, Mando, Kara, not our hero, but with our heroes, Apollo Creed, pinned down in a building, 50 stormtroopers, Moff Gideon out front, and Baby Yoda has now been taken by the stormtroopers. Hell of an ending right there. What a, what a gripping way to, to put a cap on an already wonderful episode. It is a great, great, great episode. It addresses the um, through-line narrative that we have talked about in many episodes, where through-line narrative of Baby Yoda's safety. Um, yeah. That is really kind of what... If you look at a narrative across the different episodes, it's always present. This advances that plot a lot. So I don't think this is similar to episode five and six, where in episode five and episode six, you had a self-contained story that was being told about what Mando was doing. Here, we are really just diving in to the through-line plot of the overall series, and it sets up for a twofer. I don't think that you can look at this episode uh, in a vacuum from a narrative perspective. I think it's meant to be a, a two-part kind of thing with the next episode. That being said, I think this is my favorite episode of the se- this season. Yeah, hands down. This, this series had a fantastic opening for the first few episodes. It was a wonderful way to start the series anyway, but this, I feel, is the series at its best. And Which is interesting. We talked about how effective some of the one-shot episodes like the last one were, but... This almost feels like a very aggressive response to anticipating what the fan base would be saying at this point. It's like, hey, I like it, but when are you going to return back to the overarching lore that was so fun in the initial episodes? This is Favreau saying, oh, you want me to go back to the main plot? Here you go. Yeah, and you get a, you get like 38 minutes of it, and it is just the main plot. That's all it is. And it's done so well, and it's bringing in things we got from the prior episodes, like the return of Cara Dune, the return, the return of Quill. It's working in its own universe to tell its own plot through the universe that it itself has built. It's really well done. Yep. <clears throat> All right. Well, that's our thoughts. That's uh, of, of episode seven. That's a recap. We will now transition to our segments. Let's do best line of the episode. Spencer, I've got some nominees here, but before I get going, is there any nominees that you would like to throw your, uh, in the ring? Yeah, I'm going to throw, these are all, <laughs> as I'm looking through these, these are all Quill quotes. So. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Great. You love Quill. I do. Did he get you a t-shirt, a Quill t-shirt? They're out there, by the way. I mean, I think particularly given this is his last episode i think i have spoken its last return kind of needs to get the nom just because oh it definitely gets a nomination yeah it, it is so iconic it is so funny in the scene that it goes it's so representative of the character and the confidence that he exerts about himself and with, with, uh, with regard to others that i think that one has to be out there uh do you want to do this call response he's going to do the do the list of my noms 
Yeah, you go ahead and do yours. Okay. Uh, I really enjoyed the initial line about the droids, about it was programmed to do so. Droids are not good or bad. They are neutral in reflections of those who imprint them. That is a great summary of droids, particularly droids b- before they've had an opportunity to develop their own personality through you know, the lack of constant mind wipes. That it, it sets them so, it so effectively explains how you deal with this particular organism in this universe. That it's, I think it's a great line. Um, his, his follow-up couple lines of when he's responding to both Mando and Cara Dune about things like, then you will trust my work. IG-11 will join me, and we do not do it for payment, but protect the child from imperial slavery. None will be free until the old ways are gone forever. And then the idea that he bought his freedom through the skill of my hands and the labor of three of your human lifetimes. Do not cast doubt upon that of what I am, nor whom I shall serve. Um, and just the final one, then perhaps this dropper can see how one can win their freedom with the skill of one's hands. These are such great characters, great lines for embodying the philosophy by which this character carries himself. And I really appreciated all of those, but still, I think my favorite still has to be, I have spoken, but I'm curious you, my emperor, who is the winner of this episode? Which is the winner of this episode? All right. Very good. Um, I have, um, is it still a hunter? No, but it will protect you. And then I have um, the client. Look outside. Is the world more peaceful since the revolution? I see nothing but death and chaos. Mm-hmm. I love that one, Spencer. It's a good I love that one. It's a, it's a good embodying I really want that one to be it. I thought that one was going to be it until you started and you convinced me. You flipped it, Spencer. Shout out to you. Best line of the episode. Mandalorian. Episode 7, droids are not good or bad. They are neutral reflections of those that imprint them. It's such a it's such an interesting line, isn't it? That really that was one of the lines that I actually had to pause when I was watching. I had to pause the episode and go, wow. That is a deep thought right there. Yep. I think that deserves to be best line of the episode, especially considering the con within the context of what happens in the next episode. Very true. Um, all right, that's uh, best line of the episode. Spencer, take it away for a nostalgic moment of the episode. I'm curious as to your thoughts on this one too, but my, for me, what are the winners of the nostalgic moments are the same as they were back in the first couple episodes of this series of when force powers appear on screen done right in all of their majesty and all of the confusion by which the rest of the world regards them as the true magical powers that they are. I just start squeeing at my screen. When we get to see, you know, Baby Yoda force choke Cara Dune with just angry eyebrows and the rest of the room in legitimate panic about what is happening rather than just treating it as, oh, look, someone's using force powers. Another Tuesday. It's just great television. When we get to see Baby Yoda walk up and with the music changing and the wonderful light work that's being done in that dark scene and the dragons just friggin' left and use force heal on Apollo Creed, you know, the sudden, and I, when I was watching it, I'd forgotten completely about, you know, Rise of the Skywalker. <laughs> Wonder why that is. Uh, and thinking that, my God, it's Force Heal appearing on screen after how much I've read about it and seen it and played games with it. These are the moments I live for as a Star Wars fan to see them done so well. Completely agree. Um, I'm going to throw in seeing a TIE fighter. Oh, yeah. A pro- a t- that was big for me, too. Uh, one note to, to not second guess, but to put a, a, a explanation of something I said. TIE Fighters can work in atmosphere, but similar to X-Wings, they are not meant to. We see, we, we see, I think, almost overdone in the more recent films of them functioning in atmosphere. 
They can, but they're not built for it. There's, that's why the reason you've got like air speeders or snow speeders that do that kind of thing. So, but yeah, seeing a TIE fighter appear, and like you said, looking like uh, Darth Vader's TIE advanced, landing in front of everybody else is just great. Yeah, <clears throat> completely agree. Um, I think those are two great line, uh, nostalgic moments of the episode. If I had to pick, I would probably pick um, the Force Choke. Um, but the TIE Fighter is up there. And uh, just a little spoiler alert, we get some really, really good nostalgic moments of the episode in uh, the next the next episode, episode 8. So that'll be fun. When you were first seeing this, uh, were you expecting Moff Gideon to be, you know, Gus? Gian, <laughs> uh, uh, actual name, uh, Giancarlo Esposito. But were you, I, I was really caught off guard when he suddenly appeared walking out in full Moff regalia. I'm a big Breaking Bad fan, so it was t- It took me probably till the second to third viewing of the episode to shake the fact that he was Gus. Um, <laughs> but but I knew I, I did like how they were setting the character up. I liked that it was this this whole push for Baby Yoda was not some local warlord. It was not some interested local guy who happens to have a lot of money. No, Baby Yoda is being. Um, tracked and and and, and is uh, being um, is wanted by what's left of the empire oh, at yeah. the highest levels. I mean, this guy's a moth. This guy commanded several star systems. He commanded an entire sector. They're only he might, for all we know, he might be the most the highest up ranked um, imperial officer left. Yeah, there's, I, at this point, I don't think there's any grand moths or anything else still left. He was one of the elite thousand that ran the entire empire. He was the governor of an entire sector of space. This is a very powerful man. Assuming this isn't like some self-appointed title, which I don't think it is. This guy has gr- like this guy has gray on. This guy is pr- like I served the emperor in the empire kind of experience, rather than I've just filled a gap after the after the empire fell. And he's got stormtroopers who are pristine. Oh yeah, super clean. So That's he has resources. Yeah, uh, yeah, he has resources from the remnants of the Empire. And also remember, this is five years after the events of Return of the Jedi. So who knows how much of the Empire is left? But we do know that he has some real manpower here. So I thought that was a, a really cool, uh, really cool moment of the episode. Of course, you know, it, I, I, in first viewing, I was so caught up with the fact that Baby Yoda was taken by the stormtroopers that I was that was my number one concern. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, okay, anything else you want to talk about from Mandalorian Episode 7? No, it's a great episode. Best episode of Season 1, I think we agree. And such a perfect setup for what's going to be our finale. Completely agree. Incredible episode. Um, as always, I enjoy doing this with you, Spencer. We'll be back for Mango Talks TV for our review of Mandalorian Episode 8 next week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. See you.